Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. I'm Bobby Badochka, sitting in for Carol and David on this week's episode of the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. Are you ready to spice up your sex life? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. We are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. And I love talking about everything related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. I love diving deep into these conversations with our experts. And we hope that our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because great sex matters and we all deserve it. So today we're going to talk about all things trans. So we are welcoming Buck Angel to the show and getting his professional and personal opinion on touchy topics that are quickly becoming hot button debates, such as responsible and healthy approaches to sex and reducing the harmful impact of sexual shame, the sex lives of transgender and transsexuals, cannabis, and sex, and social media, and cancel culture. But first, let's just take a moment to talk about the top waterproof blanket, because great sex is messy sex, but no one wants to sleep in the wet spot. And if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need to own top waterproof blanket. It's 100% waterproof, and leak proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking brand new. And you don't have to leave your home to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search top waterproof blanket. That's T-O-P waterproof blanket. I personally have one. It's amazing. And I really do love it. And I'm not just saying that. Um, Great sex starts now. So again, this is the Sexy Lifestyle. And I am your host today, Bobby Badochka. And I am so excited to welcome today's special guest. Buck Angel is a former pornographic film actor, producer, and sex educator who created the trans porn genre. He is the founder of the media production company Buck Angel Entertainment and has received several accolades and awards. He's been featured on TV, films, documentary, specifically sexing the trans man, and even has a life-size sculpture made of him that's on display at the Adelaide Museum of Classical Art in Australia. Buck gives talks and workshops all over the world, and he works as an advocate and educator working to affirm sexual freedom and fundamental human rights through advocacy and education. So welcome to the show, Buck. Wow, right on. (laughs) Thanks very much. You make me sound really cool. (laughs) So thank you. You are super cool. You're totally one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. Um, No, literally. Um, So let's go way back to the beginning. For those out there that are at the very early stages, maybe in their minds, they're thinking, They might wish to make an adjustment on their sexuality or gender or something just doesn't feel right. Um, So when did you realize and what kind of thoughts came to your head? 
Like how long did it take you to like take action? Cause there's not a lot of role models, you know, back then. Oh yeah. No, thank, thanks for that question. So I'm 59. I'll be 60 this year and I transitioned 30 years ago. Uh, no internet. I think we might've just had cell phones. Um, it, it's nowhere even, it's like literally living on the moon and having a <laughs> sex change. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I figured out how to do it in a time when there was no way to figure out how to do it, especially for a woman to a man, there was much more men to women. I think that's always been pretty predominant out there in the trans community, but there really was no females to males like myself. So I ended up finding a doctor in a transgender woman's book that dealt with trans women and, and hormones. And I went to him and he was willing to work with me, but he literally called me his guinea pig. He said, you'll be my guinea pig. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never helped a woman become a man. But, you know, I just honestly didn't have the choice. I didn't have a choice. It was death or that. It really... You know, what you see today is completely different than when I transitioned and why for the reasoning why I transitioned is a lot different than uh, the younger generation or what you see what is trans today. I transitioned to become a man and to live my life as a man and not necessarily live as a trans person. It's not an identity I choose. It is a, a disorder that I have called gender dysphoria, which is connected to transsexualism. And I'm a transsexual. So I'm a person who wants to live male and not female. And so, you know, were you having these thoughts at kind of like as, as early as you can remember? Are we talking preteen? Um, oh, my gosh. Literally, my, I, I see my parents all the time. I have an amazing relationship with my parents. And my dad always says, I can remember when, when you were four and three, you were like, I'm a boy. I'm a boy. So my parents, you know, they pretty. And I don't remember doing that, but they're like, you always said you were a boy. You always acted like a boy. You wanted to be a boy. You threw temper tantrums if you had to wear a dress. Like, <laughs> I remember things like that. But really... I, I do think as far back as I can remember, I just wanted to be a boy. I felt more comfortable that way. And there must have been something that made you think that I don't, even though you were having these feelings, that there was something you could actually do about it. Oh, gosh, no. That, no, there was no, nothing you could do about it. You know, pretty much they'd say you grow up, you will grow out of it, right? Mm -hmm. I always say I grew into it. But I had to go through a lot before I got to grow into it. And that being said, you know, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, which was a great era to grow up in because it was sexual freedom. And there was a lot of – and I do think that that helped me to be so free with myself. My parents were always very open sexually and stuff. So there wasn't – I don't think that I grew up in a space that was really pushing me to – to, to be negative towards sexuality or be negative even towards gender on some level, even though we didn't have the, 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 the words that you have today. But, you know, I went through puberty. I did all of that. I lived as a woman for pretty much half my life. And I just didn't know. Nobody ever told me that I could actually, you know, quote, unquote, have a sex change. It's not really a sex change, but it's what they used to call it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find that out until later on in life after I went through a lot of turmoil to get to where I'm at today. Well, it sounds like you're very lucky you had a lot of family support. Yes, I did. You know, my family had a problem with me being a gay woman because I did live the life as a very butch gay woman for for like a lot of my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I think my parents had issues with that on some level. And it's kind of interesting because they seem to be much more comfortable with me becoming a man than living as a gay woman. And I think that that's a lot what I see today too. I think people are much more comfortable with gender than they are with sexuality. And so I think I see that within the space of transness and the youth today. And I think people feel like, and parents would feel like it might be easier for me to have a son than a gay daughter. 
Interesting. Wow, that's mm. fascinating. Um, yeah. So moving forward a little bit. <clears throat> so at some point you realized um, when you were, um, I guess, transitioning or, or desiring to yeah. transition that uh, you were not represented in porn. And so no. then what do you do? Well, I'm just going to go create my own genre. So how did how did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> Pretty much exactly what you just said. I mean, I was working, I had a, I was married to a, a dominatrix and we had a, a, here in Los Angeles, we had like our own studio dungeons. We ran out to other domin, domin, dominatrixes and blah, blah, blah. And so I was pretty much in the sex business and behind the scenes. We, I was filming her. We were doing all kinds of cool stuff. And then it just popped into my head. I'm like, as I saw in porn, trans women porn was huge. You know, gay porn, huge. There was nobody like me. There were no transsexual men in porn prior to me. There had been a couple movies done in a very, you know, kind of underground cultish way, but not mainstream porn. And I just had the, it, it literally is a picture of the cartoon with the light bulb, you know, like that was me. And I just said, Buck Angel. And it was like, it just, my friend is like, dude, you're going to change the world. And I'm like, dude, I just want to make porn. I'm not going to change the world. <laughs> I don't, I want to be a millionaire. I don't care about changing the world. Well, it kind of flipped on me. I'm not a millionaire, but on some level, I have changed a little bit of the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. And so, again, sort of in the name of education. So let's assume some listeners um, here know nothing about the subject and that um, maybe or that maybe like they're struggling in their hearts and in their bodies um, can you talk about the types of or like configurations of, of trans and what what are sort sure. of the current current issues that the trans world faces right wow. now? Wow, that's just such a question that's so loaded. <laughs> that's so, I mean, you know, again, remember when I, I transitioned such a long time ago, and of course things it, had, it wasn't until the last five or ten years that I saw a huge upswing in transitioning, and um, you know, so I did actually become a little bit sort of like, wait, why is this happening? What's happening here? And mm -hmm. how is the definition of trans changing? So it literally changed on me. It's not what I did. Now it, trans is an umbrella term. So, and I, and I want people to understand there, it's really, under, really important that you understand the difference between me and a lot of what's happening today. And uh, for me, I have a gender dysphoria. I have a disorder. I have a mental disorder that I fixed with, me with medication and surgery and to live and look like a man. Today, we have transgender, which is an umbrella term that encompasses people like non-binary, gender non-conforming, trans masculine, just a whole, and not, and not everyone wants to look and be like me. They don't mm -hmm. want to take hormones. They don't want to have surgery. They want to be they thems they want to be in a space that they don't have to conform to the way people think men and women should look so that's why transsexual is different than transgender mm. but what i would say to people today is you have so much opportunity more than i could ever even have dreamed of you want to transition it's there for you 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 know insurance companies pay for it you can go into places like planned parenthood which you know i'll be honest with you i'm not happy with that I think they're making it too accessible in a way that uh, people are not slowing down. And this is a life-changing decision. Yeah. I can never go back to living as a woman. Look at me. I'm, I'd be the ugliest woman in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even be. I'd be the circus bearded lady. So, you know, it's not a joke. You really got to think about this. And if you're socially transitioning, which means you're not doing any medication, you're not doing, then that, that's different. You can always go back. But if you're thinking about taking hormones, you really should do your research and you really should do a lot of therapy before you take the plunge. That is really coming from an elder trans person who has lived through this. And 
sees today a lot of young kids do what we are calling detransitioning you know oh. that they, they, made, they made the wrong choice and I thought to myself gosh I've never thought that in my whole transition life I never thought I made the wrong choice so how are young kids today thinking they're making the wrong choices what are we doing wrong yeah in the system yeah because I mean I I'm definitely obviously an advocate and and pro to normalizing um you know everything in the sex space but sure. at the same time it feels like there's a bit of fetishism uh going on yep. and yep. and i don't mean fetish like in the bdsm term i mean no um, that's right like there's there's almost a trendiness to it and i mean i don't know about you yep. but when i'm thinking back to my 20s i mean i didn't have a clue what i was talking <laughs> about and so you're making those kinds of drastic decisions you know late yep. teens or during your 20s it's like you don't even know yep. what's coming in your life so what do you No, and that you know and, and they're giving puberty blockers to you know 10 11 year olds and with very little research and rest of the world is pulling back on that sweden and finland stopped doing that to 10 year olds in america they're amping it up and, you know, it, it, it's actually distressing for me to see. This is a very rare disorder. It's not what it's not what you see today. This is not an identity choice. The young kids today are choosing trans as an identity. This is not my identity. It is a means and a way for me to get from A to B, right? For, for me to be a woman who wants to be a man. There's a huge difference in what I did and, and what's happening today. Kids are choosing this identity because I think kids want to be part of something, mm. right? I was a punk rocker. <laughs> I want to be part of a group of people. That's what trans has become on some level. Um, people who don't medically want to transition or don't have gender dysphoria and want to be trans. It's it's sort of like this idea that you can belong to this space. Yeah, I mean, I think these days we're having some major identity issues across yes. the board, but that's another podcast. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Totally. Um, but also, so just to sort of shift gears a little bit, you started a sex toy company um, that yep. caters to um, trans folks. So tell us yep. more about that. So, you know, being uh, trans and, and um, not having what we call bottom surgery. So I never got a penis. I kept my vagina and that's really how, the basis of my pornography. I, I call myself the man with the pussy and I just created this whole like space around Buck Angel, the man with the pussy. And that just like skyrocketed and it became a big deal. And from there I realized, you know, that, um, there's a lot of guys like me who are not comfortable with their bodies sexually. It was one of the reasons I did, started to do that pornography because they also have vaginas and they're not comfortable with it. Cause you know, we want to have penises too, but it's just not a space that a lot of us choose to go down because it's a very difficult space to go down. So I created products that help guys masturbate who still have vaginas, but are men. And I created a product called the buck off and it's a stroker, just like a regular, you know, dude, <laughs> just like a regular dude, this slips. So what happens is our clitorises grow very big from the testosterone and it slips over the clitoris and become, and it sucks your clitoris in. And then you get to sort of do the motion, like, you know, stroking like a man. Mm -hmm. And that thing blew up like mad. Like it just, it just outsell sold so many, of the other products on the market and I, I created the that market in the sex toy business i created the total trans sex toy Amazing. genre i mean well. it gives me a whole new definition to penis envy uh, <laughs> totally, <yeah. laughs> um, so what is the like what kind of feedback are you getting from the community and like are you i think you have more than one product though 
Yeah, so from the buck off, I created the Kiss X, then I created a Packer. Now I just created a new Packer that has a stroker on the end of it. I created a, the first cock ring for trans men. So it's a little thing that slips over your clitoris and, and keeps it hard during mm -hmm. sex. So we also have our own cock ring. So I just keep creating and I create like boner drinks. I work in the cannabis sector as well and create products there for the LGBT community. I'm, I'm all about sexual health. And I create lube with a company called Sliquid that's specifically geared towards trans men who take testosterone. I mean, I'm really about keeping our bodies healthy so that we can have healthy sex. Because, you know, if our vaginas aren't healthy, we're not going to have healthy sex. And putting testosterone in our bodies literally destroys the vagina on so many levels. And nobody's talking about stuff like that. So, you know, I had to step up and start. We, I have the same problem that an actual, like, biological woman has during menopause. Mm -hmm. The same thing that happens with guys like me when we take testosterone. Yeah, I was we just about to say, I, I think it's called atrophy. That's um, right. That's can, right. You, can you talk a little bit more detailed about oh that? Oh my gosh, I honestly almost died from atrophy because being, I'm you know, again, remember, I'm an experiment and nobody knew. For years, I was having cramps after having orgasms and I'd go to the gynecologist and they, you know, that was a whole other fucking, that could be a whole podcast. The whole thing was insane and they couldn't find anything wrong with me and they would just send me home and say, oh, well, yeah, whatever. And then eventually what happened was that I had had an infection. My uterus and my cervix fused together. So nothing was coming out of my uterus and it was just literally building up like for years and it became a Petri dish in there and it just exploded one day and um, I became septic and 108 degree temperature rushed to the emergency and they were like, what the heck, dude? Like I was in Mex living in Mexico at the time. They had never seen anything like it because I'm. My, my case was one of the very first recorded long-term use of testosterone on a female body person. And this is why my biology is so important. I'm, I'm a biological female. And if a doctor doesn't know that, they can't necessarily work on me. So I almost died because they didn't understand my body. And it's become a very well-known case in the medical world. Wow. So you're famous yeah. in all sorts of areas. <laughs> That's not really what I want to be famous <laughs> for. <laughs> Atrophy of my vagina. <laughs> no, but I mean, jokes aside, you know, um, having, having, providing that opportunity for the medical community is um yeah you know really really great and uh, yeah, talk about you. world changing yeah no it's important yeah because it's important you know we uh, for me there's not a lot of guys who really want to talk about this stuff so i figure you know if i'm talking about it more people will start talking about it. it's a hard place for us mm -hmm. in our space it's very hard to talk about our bodies that are normal bodies right yeah. yeah and sex has always been a very difficult thing for a lot of us guys to talk about but as you know and as you opened up your podcast sex is important healthy sex and aging also is important and sex. So I talk a lot about those kind of things. Incredible. Um, so <clears throat> if somebody else was thinking, I mean, you make it sound kind of easy, but we know that it's not. <laughs> um, if, if others wanted to create sex toys, um, mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. what advice would you give them? Well, I would say do it. So, so let me go back a little bit. I had invented the sex toy and for five years, I went to every sex toy company out there, every single one. They were all like, nope, nope, it's not going to sell. Nope, there's no market for it, blah, blah, blah. So then I just eventually found somebody who was willing to help me create this product. So I would say don't give up. Whatever you think you have or if you think it's something is already out there, there's room for everybody. I'm, I'm a big, I'm big about 
abundance and I'm all about sharing. And I think that the more people start understanding that you're not my competition, but you're more of a person who can help me sell my products and I can help sell yours, then we all win. It's a win-win situation. So just if you have an idea out there and you want to do it, just do it. Contact a company or even contact me, maybe. There you go. Yeah. Totally. All right. So um, everyone, just hang on for a second. I'm Bobby Bedochka sitting in for Carol and David, and this is The Sexy Lifestyle. Now we just need to do a quick shout out to one of our show sponsors, and we'll be right back. We were just with Topless Travel on the Bliss Cruise, and we were with them at Hedo, and they are absolutely the best. If you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply have to book with Topless Travel. From Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and all the Bliss Cruise experiences, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Yeah, their trips and events are all about the people and the sexy fun experiences. So let's just give a quick shout out to all their sexy host couples, including Jessica and Justin, and of course, Party Mark. And they're there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. Absolutely. And you will find us on many of the amazing Topless Travel trips. But listen up. The one that we're really looking forward to is the Bliss Cruise on the awesome Celebrity Summit on April 17th to 22nd, 2023. We're going to be there broadcasting live from the ship and all the cabins are selling out quickly. So book now. Come and join us for the week. We'd love to meet you there. And of course, for all that information and for more about the, any trip and all the topless travel events, you can go to thesexylifestyle.com and click the topless travel events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. Ever, ever, ever. We were just there and we had an amazing, amazing time. We came back a much sexier and stronger couple, which we do on all our lifestyle experiences. All right, we are back and this is The Sexy Lifestyle and I am Bobby Pedochka sitting in for Carol and David today. So let's get back to our show with the lovely and famous Buck Angel. So let's get a bit more personal if we haven't got personal enough. Um, (laughs) Tell us a a bit about how you seek your sexual pleasure. Oh, gosh, great question. You know, when I first started transitioning, I um, hadn't really had sex with my vagina. You know, I did it as a woman with the lights off and drunk and stoned and, you know, just so disconnected from my body. So I, I got sober. Like the rest of us. That was, yep. That, it was hard to have sex sober. Outside. <laughs> and then on top of the fact that I had to, this new male body, right? So I was like with a vagina. I'm like, ah! But the testosterone amped up my libido a lot. It did. And so I was just masturbating one day and next thing you know, my finger slipped inside of me and I was like, what? And I had an orgasm. It's the first time I had an orgasm by penetration of myself. And I was like, oh my God. So I would secretly masturbate for a long time like that because I was too embarrassed to talk about it until one day I met a, a partner who was so willing to just go all out with me and do everything. And it was so fun and amazing. And I, it just changed my life. And then I realized, oh my God, it's so important for me to just talk about how to pleasure yourself and how, so, so for me, it's first off masturbation. I'm totally, that's why I created a masturbator because I think self-love and, and understanding your body, as we all know here, it, it's the first and foremost way to have great sex. Because if I don't know how to please myself, we know that. It's a mantra. You cannot – no one else can please you. So especially a person like myself who isn't sure of how to be pleased, especially if someone goes down on me, you know, wants to give me a blowjob. I'm so nervous and freaked out at first because it's the scariest thing ever. But then what I give – what I tell everyone out there is 
Sex is about relaxing and not having your head go, oh my God, this is happening. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. That's why I'm all big into cannabis, you know, and I'm sober, but I do use cannabis as a plant medicine. And so I realized that it relaxed me and I was, I got out of my head. And I think good sex is really getting out of your head and trusting either the other partner or even just trusting yourself that it's okay to have whatever fantasy you're having or whatever thing you're having. Sex is about fantasy and sex is about pleasure. It's not about shame and it's not about, it's a natural natural space. So I think that's really important in my message is understanding that sex is about really pleasuring and being in a space that's natural to human beings. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really great um, advice. And it really just applies to everyone. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, we just don't teach no. Our kids, I guess. I, I mean, who, no, know, we how, don't. how do you how do you expose that kind of education to kids at a young age? Like I started to masturbate yep. very early, um, yep. like nine, 10 years old. Um, yep. And sort of when you get That's when right. you get sort of a leg up on on that kind of stuff, it definitely helps. Um, I mean, yep. I, I've interviewed quite a few women. And, you know, a lot of women go through a good 10, 15, 20 years, sometimes longer without ever having an orgasm, never mind, not even ever having masturbated. I'm like, that's crazy. How is that possible? But it's really a lot more common than people think. Um, And I remember one time at our grade 12 stag party, um, there was a group of, of women just sitting around and I don't know how it came up. Somebody brought the word masturbate and, you know, we're like 18, 19 years old ish. And, I was just standing there saying, well, doesn't everybody masturbate? And they, <laughs> they, the room went silent. Like they all looked at me, their eyes bugged out. And I'm sure half of them had and just were too chicken shit to yep. admit it. And the other yep. half were like, I cannot believe that like yep. they were just clueless. And yep. as soon at that moment, I'm like, wow, okay. So I'm in a different world. Definitely. That's right. Um, but you know, it's right. a- lucky for you that you had, you had, the, I, I started masturbation at nine or 10 too. I think that is the age and I have a nine year old son and I'm pretty sure that's happening now, but you know, I think it's a nat- more, most important is, is the number one, most important thing that's first off as a parent or anybody who's around young people who might be starting to sort of feel this way is to not shame Mm -hmm. and to really just understand this is a natural body function. I mean, there's going to be a time where we have to start talking about it in schools and make it normalized and not weird. And, you know, kids feel weird when they masturbate. I remember I did. I was like, oh, sneaking out in the backyard by the tree. Like, (laughs) I hope nobody sees me. (laughs) So then let's talk about this in the context of, of trans folks um, and just to kind of dispel any false information or fake news mm-hmm. or, you know, what's going yeah. around these days. Do trans yeah. folks have sex differently or experience sex differently? Well, I mean, that's not really a question I can answer in the sense that I can only talk about myself because all of us, you know, here's this idea about trans that we're all, it's a monolithic community. It's like saying the BDSM community is monolithic. No, it's not. Everyone likes different kinks and different fetishes. And so trans is the same way. I don't know why everybody thinks we're all the same. We have different reasons. We come to this. We have different reasons. We transition. Why some of us do this, why some of us don't do that. So I think number one, we need to understand that even our sexual fantasies or our ways of being are going to be different. Some guys don't even want to have sex. You know what I mean? And some people's libidos didn't get higher with the testosterone. Now, when it comes to trans, women, I don't know anything and I can't really speak on that other than I dated trans women 
and they do seem to have a high libido. But then again, you know, it, that's one wasn't taking hormones. And so there's just a lot of variations in our community that it's not it's not a one off, you know, and I think that's the problem today is that we talk about this trans community, but that's ridiculous because we can't do that. We're all it's like talking about the straight community, right? Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> all straight people are different. <laughs> They're not the same. So, I, you know, trans is the new gay is like what I like to say. It's the new thing on everybody's lips and it'll go away eventually. But I think that what people need to understand out there is not to be afraid of us. And to understand that if you're sexually attracted to me, oh my God, when I first started, I had a huge population of gay men just, just, you know, come at me and then be all freaked out if we were going to have sex, even though they were attracted to me. And then they would say stuff like, am I straight now? And I'm like, dude, look at me. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, man, you're, you're attracted to me because I'm very masculine. You're not attracted to me because I'm a lady. <laughs> so you, I really messed around with people's like, like own self. They didn't understand themselves when they were attracted to me. And I think people still have these issues around being attracted to a trans person. And what does that make them, right? People are so in these label spaces. It makes you attracted to a person is what it makes you. I always say that it makes you a horny guy. When you're attracted to me, it means you're a horny guy. That's it. We're good. Now we can move forward. Well, that's a catch all if I ever heard you know. one. <laughs> right on but it's uh i mean yeah it sort of gets back to that whole identity issue you know there's a re this is a paradigm yeah. shift the trans yep. The, yep. forgive me for saying the term but the trans community has yep. created a paradigm shift in in, right. in much in much the same way but you know differently because you know when when you know gay rights um was at its sort of peak um you know there was a yeah. lot of other political religious, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, things involved there that the trans community is not experiencing in the same way. Um, That's right. But it really does, um, you know, speak to what happens when there is a paradigm shift and there's these new, I mean, I, I hear this a lot in the business world about, I'm not sure what it means, this, this, them, they thing, the pronoun mm -hmm. thing. Um, like this is from heteronormative folks here. So sure, coming sure. from, I'm not sure um, what is non-binary, um, what is fluid. I'm, I'm confused about all the terms. Um, and then forget about trying to do an academic survey when you ask somebody. <laughs> I mean, the list is now yep. so long. Um, right. And and you know what i what i feel like in a in a in a an attempt to build community around um a contentious issue mm -hmm. then ends up sort of se ultimately segregating everybody into these that's right right this is a bit ironic that's right um yeah it's actually sad and it's um it's horrible, really, within the my, my the trans community. I don't even say it's mine anymore because it's not a community. It's become very mean and people fighting each other in there and who's more trans than this person and why, you know, and some of the young kids saying really mean things to me. I'm thinking, what? I'm an elder in this community. I, I can't even believe that entitlement. And so, you know, it, it, there's just a different, that's why I'm telling you, it's a different way of being with this newer generation and the pronouns and that, you know, that's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not on board with the pronouns and I'll tell you why, because I had a sex change to look and be a man. And if I have to tell you my pronouns, I, my sex change sucked. <laughs> That's how I look at it. I like, I feel insulted that you would ask me my pronouns, but 
I don't think it's bad for other people to do it. And I, the thing is this, I don't like compelled speech. I don't like to be told how to talk or how to be. And so if you need to put your pronouns in front of your name, that's good for you. And I'm very, very okay with that. But I do not think we should be, be compelling other people to do those things in order for a very small group of people to feel a part of. And I feel on some level that it's detrimental to our community that we start to pull back a little mm -hmm. bit and stop pushing on everybody and telling them that they have to agree with everything we say and do. And that's not pushing us forward. And in fact, many laws are changing in this country because people are pissed at what the trans community is doing. You know, that's why Florida's laws are happening, Texas, all these anti-trans things are happening because they see trans as something other than what I am. And they see it as a place where People are pushing these ideas that not everybody agrees with. And you know what? Not everybody agrees with my transition. And I'm cool with that. I am so cool with that because I don't do it for you. <laughs> I do it for me. Yeah. Right. And so if you're not cool with it, that's so cool, dude. Let's shake hands and walk the other way. That, you know, I'm a bridge builder. I'm not a guy who just says, you don't like me, go, you know, F yourself. That's not the way I operate in the world. And it's why I've become. Uh, a bridge on some level to the left and the right and the anger between both of those sides. I stand sort of in the middle of a lot of the political space mm -hmm. and what's happening because you're never going to agree with me, but how do we work together and how do we move through the world together and how do we coexist on this planet together? Because I have to coexist with you. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, I got to coexist with you. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, sort of segregating the communities as opposed to thinking about it like we're all just humans here and That's you know right. we are actually all different in all sorts of ways That's um, right. so i i just want to get back to you just mentioned so and i was going to ask about mm -hmm. if you have experienced any violence or discrimi discrimination mm, like overtly God. because you're trans um yep. or do you find that like, most people are pretty supportive well, early on in my transition 30 years ago, heck yeah, I got so many death threats, especially in my porn. Oh, wow. People wanted to kill me. I spoke at Yale University and alumni wrote me death threats. Alumni at Yale University said, if you show up here, we'll hang you from a tree. We'll burn you. Well, I'm like, what? Yeah, it was. This is Yale. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? So I got lots of death threats. I got lots of I'll beat the crap out of you if you show up like all of that. I dealt with all of that stuff. And it was 100 percent because I'm trans. No doubt about it. And also because of pornography. So I was double whammy. Right. So, so wait a second. So they watch means... your porn and then they death. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they would get mad at me because because they, <laughs> they liked it. So yes. they would blame me for <laughs> it's so funny the hypocrites out there. But you know, today I would say that because of my age, because of being in pornography, because of being in a lot of spaces that I really had to survive. I'm a survivor. 100%. That's my mentality. That's the way I walk the world. I am not a victim. I refuse to be a victim. I'm a guy here because I created my space. So you can't really kick me out. But 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 that being said, people just have not been so mean to me anymore. And I feel like on some level, I broke through to this space where I'm in a nuanced space and people can see my message in a way that says, oh, oh, I see. OK, this trans guy is saying some stuff that makes sense to me, whereas some of the other trans people are not making sense because they're pushing on people to 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 accept. I don't push on anybody to accept me. Like I said earlier, mm -hmm. if you want to accept me, awesome. If you don't, I'll just turn around and go the other way. It's no big deal for me. Incredible. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way 
the way to go rather than I mean you have to yeah you have to when you are an outsider you have to you cannot push I cannot push on the majority of the world they'll push back on me and slam me so what I did is I realized okay not everyone likes me that's okay I'm accepting and every time I say it's cool that you don't like me all of a sudden it opens up right Uh, I was just on this really hardcore right-wing conservative like you know anti-porn uh, talk show. And I walked away with as friends and people wrote me all kinds of great stuff and said, thank you, Buck. I didn't realize, you know, that this is trans or that porn isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, and it's like, it's not for everybody. And these are the conversations we have to have. It's called adult entertainment. It isn't for kids. It never was for kids. And why are kids watching it? So these are the conversations, you know, and also adult entertainment is important to many of us. I enjoy it Mm -hmm. as many people do. So don't tell me I can't make something that's legal and and makes people happy. And, you know, if you don't like it, go the other way. So, you know, we live in America. We're supposed to be able to do things that not everybody is okay with. Definitely. And I think, you know, when you take a, when you take a look at um, the consumer and how the consumer spends their dollar. Um, this is a pretty key indicator uh, to <laughs> what interests people. Um, and so if we just look at that metric alone, that tells right. the story I think, that we all need to hear about sex. It's all about money. Because it, it, if, it, if it wasn't about, if porn didn't make money, it wouldn't be here. Exactly. It just wouldn't be here. It's a billion dollar business. I've been mm-hmm. in it for 20 years sex toys, all of it, lubes, they sell like mad because people have sex. Like it's so dumb that people are trying to stop it. You're never going to stop it. So just, just understand you're never going to stop porn. It's always going to be here. Please don't try to make it illegal because if you do that, it's going to get worse and worse things will happen if you try to make pornography illegal, just like prohibition or any of that stuff. You got to make things legal that people want. That's it. They're going to do it anyway. So, you know, that's right. They're going to do it anyway. Why not make money off of it? Uh, so let's just remind everyone that this is a sexy lifestyle and I am Bobby Bidochka sitting in for Carol and David today and we are having an amazing discussion with Buck Angel but now let me tell you a little bit about who I am I'm a sex sociologist interested in researching how we navigate sex in the workplace in a post me too era how first-time sexual experiences influence, determine future approaches and perspectives over a lifetime. And I'm also interested in studying the narratives the society tells us about the taboos of sex. I am the co-chair of the Academic Congress on Love and Sex with Robots and the book author of Sexual Intelligence in Business. I'm also CEO of Imagine Ideation, and I help tech startups to find venture capital. If you'd like to read a bit more about my story, you can find me on the April issue of ASN Magazine. And my goal in life is to normalize sex education and sexual wellness, and of course, great sex for everyone. So are you interested in vaginal rejuvenation and sexual health? It's a topic that we want to talk about more, because how we look and how we feel make a huge difference in the way we live sexy. The company Lumisk has developed an easy treatment system for vaginal rejuvenation, It's a product that you can use on yourself and at home. It's a carboxy gel called CO2 Lift V. You simply mix together two packets of gel and apply it to your vulva and inside your vagina before bedtime and then rinse it out in the morning. The gel infuses CO2 into the skin to encourage blood flow. It promotes healing and cell regeneration. And the great thing is that there's no discomfort or downtime. This CO2 Lift V treatment keeps your vaginal tissue healthy and happy. 
It increases lubrication and sensation and makes sex more fun at any age. After you finish the initial course of weekly treatments, you can easily maintain your results with applications once a month. Also, it's a sure way to snap back after a long night of great sex. For more information, visit CO2Lift.com, buy yours today, and get a 15% discount if you use promo code SEXYLIFE at checkout. That's S-E-X-Y-L-I-F-E. Great sex starts now. And remember, if you're looking for an online open-minded community to meet compatible people in your area, you should go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. So check it out. So this is the sexy lifestyle. And now let's get back to our show with Buck Angel. So we should talk about social media issues. Uh, <laughs> what tell people what you're experiencing because not you know anyone who is interested in sex and the sexy lifestyle does have a a wonderful uh, listenership but not everybody's working in uh in the industry um so can you um just explain to people what kind of issues you've been experiencing in terms of social media and um, when did sure. it start happening and is it across all platforms because i noticed on your website you are like on every single platform, even Pinterest. I'm on everything because you got to <laughs> do that. So remember, I built my own brand from nothing. I built, you know, Buck Angel's now a brand and a trademark. And I did that with no help, no nothing. I just, something told me to just take everything you can take, get on every interview, get it. So I, for 20 years, any, a newspaper in the middle of Idaho, like in the mountains with three readership, I'll t I would take it. And I really do think like on some level, it, it really helped me to build who I am just you know it's all about getting your voice out there however you can and I continue to put my voice out there about sex and sex um not necessarily that I think of myself as a sex educator but more of somebody who's a, a, a pro-sex person because I don't want to take I, the education label has been overused I think by people who don't like yourself who, who has gone to school and who's really studied it I didn't do that I just have been in it so on some level I just really thought that I'm more of a guy who is a pro-sex. And so with that, I just really kept putting myself out there. And then social media became a thing, right? And then in the last year or so, we've been attacked. The sex people, sexual wellness, sexual educators, even LGBTQ have been attacked. And you know, I've been pretty much shadow banned on Instagram for over a year. And um, it's, it's frustrating because it is my business and it is how I make money and it is how I get myself out there. And so why am I being shadow banned? I have never put anything up there. I would never put pornography on social media. Um, I just think my name is sort of synonymous now with sex. It's never going to go away. I couldn't just become something else because sex is a part of my brand on some level. Not that I want to, but, you know, pornography makes people cringe. And so my name says pornography and people get very weird about it and make assumptions about me. So today I, I'm in a war on all these social media platforms to try to be much more nuanced in conversation because it's very one-sided you know it's this side or that side and i get a lot of you know hate on social media because i have different opinions about not only trans but about sex about you know about biology about all kinds of things that are kind of very much in this really kind of angry space right now so i'm a very opinionated <laughs> i'm a very opinionated man by the way <laughs> and so um like, I, have you had any of your accounts canceled? Um, and do you end up just like remaking new ones? Or I, the reason why I'm asking is, is for those that are 
kind of experiencing the the early signals of that, you know, kind of what, mm -hmm. do you have any advice or solutions yep, yep. or at least grand statements to the social media giants? Right. So, so there's nothing you can do. That's why you gotta make pack backup accounts. I haven't lost my Instagram yet, but they keep warning me that I'm going to I have no idea why they won't tell me why I've never, I don't understand it. You know, Facebook same, it doesn't necessarily shut down, but I don't like Facebook. I'll tell you, I find a lot of angry people more angry than any, besides Twitter. Oh, I hate it. Twitter's pretty angry too, but what I find it without Twitter and I haven't been locked out of that either. So I haven't lost any of my accounts yet. Um, but I'm, I'm pushed down with, you know, the shadow ban thing. So I don't, get the same visuals that a lot of other people get but but that being said i think to the people out there who are looking to get into building their brand or social media you just gotta make sure that you're not doing things that's that the algorithms touch which is the word sex or any kind of dirty word or anything like that they will wipe you out so even sex education i see people who are sex educators on tiktok writing s-e-g-g instead of sex, that's mm -hmm. how they seg so that the algorithms don't pick it up and they don't kick kicked off And that. And I saw that that's worked. So you just have to remember that you got to figure out, you know, what does he want to put out there and, and, and stay with that message. I have stayed with my message from day one for 20 years. And I, I think because of that, it really helps me build that brand on social media, but social media is tricky because it's constantly changing. The mm -hmm. algorithms are changing what you can put up there, what you can say, what, you know, they have us, they literally have us uh, trapped because we all have to have social media. You cannot function without social media if you're a business person. So we're in some level we're really at that at you know they 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 hold the keys to to everything which is very frustrating on some level yeah no definitely and and it's not even so much i i, I did a little research on this um it's it's not as much the social media people who are doing it it's this group called encos in the u.s mm. that is a very powerful wow. lobby group um and they Lobbyist. have you know the ears of Yep. high influential political people and that's how Cesar that's right. Costa got formed and that's right you know because that's I right. mean social media I don't think that they really cared all that much in the beginning because like nope. whatever it's no nope. um you're right but as soon as Cesar and Fossa came it got implemented yep. then you know that and that didn't happen by accident, right? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, it's lobbyists. Lobbyists should be against the law. It's the reason why cannabis is, has not been federally legalized, because we have these pharmaceutical lobbyists who keep blocking us because the pharmaceutical companies don't want cannabis to be legal until they get into the game. So that's why it hasn't been. And it's such been such a, you know, I've been in it for seven years. It's been so disastrous and so difficult. It reminds me of the early, you know, like sex business. Same thing. My, my partner, her name is Rachel Mason, and her parents own the bookstore here in Los Angeles called Circus of Books, which is a very famous sex toy shop from like literally 50 years they owned it. And it, there's a movie on Netflix I've called seen Circus it. of yes. Books that she did. Yeah. yeah, that's my partner. And her store, her parents' store is very famous sex shop. Boy, they have great stories about even having to deal with stuff back in the day, right? They got raided by the police. Like it was insane. The way you couldn't even sell pornography across state lines. It's just so on some level, I still see a lot of the same stigma that they had in a regular, you know, brick and mortar store that we're dealing with on the internet. Not just any payment processor will pay payment process your site if it's sex work. You have to use certain, you know, payment processors. We're 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 very ostracized in the sex in the sex business. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about um, you know, your, yeah. your payment processing issues as well yeah. because it's sometimes yep. hard to even just get a bank account. 
Oh my God, totally. But that's where I realized that I have to just, you know, I'm also a public speaker. I, I would say I make most of my income through public speaking around the whole world. And so what I do is now I'm a public speaker. So I'm not necessarily like in the sex business. So when I go to the bank, you know, this is what I do. I work in public speaking and I'm a transsexual man and blah, blah, blah. And immediately they give you a bank account. <laughs> trans is finished. Just say you're trans. You'll get anything oh, you shit, need. Oh, shit, I'm scared. No, don't. No. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> oh, the irony of it all. I know. Um, it's insane. So um, you also are um, involved in cannabis. So you've incorporated yep. um, some products there into your business. So yep. tell us yep. more about that. And why did you get into that? Well, I got into it like seven years ago because there, in the beginning of here in LA and California, I didn't see any uh, companies targeting the LGBT community. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, it was because of AIDS uh, that um, cannabis was legalized over 30 years ago with a drug, pharmaceutical drug called Marinol. And that was because of the gay men and AIDS. And we fought to get that legalized. So we are very, the gay community is very instrumental in legalizing cannabis. And so I thought, and I saw these like straight, white dudes making millions of dollars and not even talking about the fact that we really pushed to get this. So I just realized that I want to keep the message alive within cannabis. It's sort of like even people of color. We need to talk about that in cannabis and mm -hmm. how many people of color are in prison still why white people are making shit tons of money off this. It's so ridiculous and it's gross. So I got into it as an activist space and really talking about, you know, we can't just all start making money off of this without understanding where it came from and who's been hurt by it and how many people are not in the game. And so I also work with an organization in Los Angeles, a, a quality act that's helping to, you know, get uh, people of color and uh, marginalized people, you know, permits to sell cannabis in shops before other people, you know, and make it a level playing field because it, you know, it just became a big, big money space. So anyway, I got into it because of that. And I really wanted to keep the, the LGBT story alive. So that's really been my main focus in cannabis. And it's been amazing. I just, I love that space. Everybody's so loving and awesome and beautiful. Like it reminds me of the sex business on some level, really great, cool people. Yeah, I mean, there's something about um, sort of being an outlier that, makes you really empathetic. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And yes. yeah. So that's right. When people, people also don't realize that if it wasn't for porn and, um, or that porn and pornography images exchange are, were instrumental mm -hmm. in pushing mm -hmm. forward the internet and technologies. Um, and that's right. This, I mean, this was a, quite a while ago, but people just forgotten altogether that you get to share right. your files and do all of these great, you know, YouTube yeah. and video and all this streaming uh -huh. is, you know, you know, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's true. You're, I was in it 20 years ago when we started streaming in porn and nobody had been, was doing it. I remember Windows Media came out and then there there was another one and people were trying to figure out and the porn industry just took it and ran. That's where webcamming came from. We started all of that. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Thank you for saying that. But of course, we never get any. No credits. Never, 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 never. And people would never admit that. They'll never admit. We are always ahead of the technology in porn. Always oh, yeah. because First we don't. Because 
that's because we don't have the limitations, right? We're allowed to try to do anything we want to do in our in our space. So because of that, we're we're able to be so much more creative and come up with stuff. So well, just yeah, it was also like, very motivational. It's like I really want to see different right. pictures. How can that's I do right. that? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Extremely motivated. Um, so then, um, when you're talking about so cannabis, do you see the there's a lot of people doing like cannabis and sex and it gives you better sex. And I know you alluded to it earlier about yep. you know helping you to relax. Yep. Um, yep. But you know, what are you, what are you experiencing there from a personal pleasure point of view? And then also from this intersection of sex and cannabis, like business wise. Right. Right. So, so, so personally that changed my life. I just felt less anxious. I felt, you know, and I, I had stopped drinking 30 years ago and doing drugs. So, you know, I hadn't really done anything in, in a space where my mind was altered. So when I did it, it wasn't necessarily altered. It was more like, Oh, I feel so calm. <laughs> I feel so chill. <laughs> Cause I'm a hyper, as you can see, I got a lot of energy. So it's like, I need to come down at night. I don't, and it's cause I don't drink. I get drunk. Like the skinning stone was just like, Oh wow. And I don't, feel hungover and I don't feel anything. So I'm like, this stuff is magic and it doesn't make me want to drink and it doesn't make me want to do cocaine or, you know, the gateway drug. It's all nonsense. So also I realized that it could help people to understand that. that. So that's why I started advocating for it with my products. I created something called the buck shot and the buck shot is an erection drink that has CBD in it. It's the first erection drink with CBD and it it, like the dudes can't get enough of it. I cannot keep it in stock. Wow. It, it works. It's na all natural with CBD. So they were doing um, studies on CBD and erectile dysfunction. And so I decided to add it to this product and it just was amazing. And, you know, once you give even men, when they don't have erections, they, they, they get confident about sex and they feel, you know, feel like they're not performing, which is not a good space to be in. So Really having empathy also for men and, and, and erectile dysfunction is very important when it comes to sex and understanding like you can't, you have to understand that we all have weird stuff going on when it comes to sex and mm -hmm. how, how can I help you? <laughs> That's how I came to it. How can I help you have awesome sex? Because I think the more sex you have, the happier of a person you oh, are. Oh, yes. And <laughs> it's why I'm a happy person. I, <laughs> I have so much sex. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I believe in it as a means and a way to heal this earth and to heal humanity. I think we're very hurt right now. We're very angry. We're very disconnected. And I think sex is a reason, part, a part of that reason. Yeah, I mean, I think that sex is the place where um, a lot of healing can be had. Um, right. And there's something called pleasure activism, um, mm. where you know, you know, you can literally—it's the place to start um, to solve the world's problems. I have a theory That's that right. love and sex um, are the number one motivators uh, and most important thing in the world, and yep. I will argue that. Um, to the end, but yeah, I mean, it's, right it's, on. it's true. A lot of people get in their head, um, uh, and you know, men too, and not the right mm -hmm. head. Uh, That's right. So, <laughs> so thank you, uh, for solving that problem. Um, <laughs> men on behalf of the women uh, and the men. Well, women too, but yeah. women don't have that sexual performance, I guess I can call it. They don't have, they, they can, you know, there are a lot of women who fake orgasms, which is so insane. But, but that being said, you know, when a man actually has to get an erection and if that erection doesn't come, that fucks with their brains, mm -hmm. messes with their brains. Right. Totally. So they, they can't, 
They can't. But we're I mean, I could throw some lube on it, but you know, that's right. That's right. Even with a woman, you could just throw some lube inside of you. And then like, even if you're not getting wet, you can uh, actually help yourself. So, so I do, I do see this disconnect that happens when your body isn't performing, right? When my body isn't performing correctly, there's a disconnect and it's not so much fun anymore. Beautiful. So Buck, um, just some final thoughts, um, from your side. Is there anything, um, that we haven't talked about that you would just love to share with the world? Well, no, I think you hit on all the points. And I think, you know, the re- the reason that I think that I got so lucky to be in the sex business is because I really learned how to love a body that I hated <laughs> on so many levels. And so I do believe that if I can do it, anybody can do it. And to really learn to accept my vagina is huge. I mean, it's just like, I can't even tell you. It's like, I don't even think about it anymore. The last thing I think about is getting a penis. I don't even, it's just such a natural part of my being. So anybody out there who's struggling with their body, know this. It's all up to you. It's not up to me. It's not up to your husband. It's not up to the kids. It's not up to anybody. It's up to you to take control of your body. And you can do it because I just proved it to you. And whatever that means, you got to go to therapy. You got to start really sitting with yourself. You got to stand naked in front of the mirror. You got to try different sexual. I mean, I could go on and on, but it's up to you, my friend. And I think we really need to start talking to people about taking responsibility for themselves and stop blaming the world for your problems. Because if you continue to do that and your problems, aren't going to go away the minute you start taking care of yourself and understanding it's me i gotta take care of shit i gotta take care of myself then things will move forward my friend so that that's my my trampa advice to the world that's perfect that's perfect thank you so much for sharing all this really great information so tell people how they can find you online on social media or your website mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so easily accessible. Buckangel.com is my website. Instagram, Buckangel. Twitter, Buckangel. Facebook, ugh. Facebook is Buckangel Official. I also have a YouTube channel, but mostly I'm on Instagram, I think, and Twitter right now. I have a TikTok, but yeah, that's for the kids, really. Mm. Yeah. Well, if um, anyone missed any of this information, uh, not to worry, little ones, you can go to thesexylifestyle.com where every guest has their own guest page with all the information and you can even contact um, the guests if you have questions about their work. So, wow, um, the end of another great show and another amazing guest, Buck Angel. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate you guys giving me a voice here. So thanks so much. Anyone wants to reach out to me, please just do it. I'm very accessible. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. And special thanks to you uh, for listening week in and week out. Um, also, you can, if you would like to find my guest page is also on The Sexy Lifestyle, but you can also follow me on social media at Bobby Bidochka. I'm the only one in the world. So I, it's the same across all platforms. As long as you can spell the last name, then you're good to go. But again, yeah, I don't fancy Facebook too much. So tune in again uh, next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. Well, that's it for our show today. On behalf of Carol and David, I am Bobby Bedochka, sending you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe, and of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new. Spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.